This is exactly right. If you're a fan of meticulously crafted worlds that reimagine every little detail, then you'll enjoy the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Host Eric Malinsky spent over a decade working in public radio and uses those skills to create a sound-rich podcast that features interviews with Andy Weir, who wrote The Martian, the writers of hit TV shows like Star Trek Strange New Worlds, designers of games like Magic the Gathering, and the puppeteer who designed Miss Piggy. You can find Imaginary Worlds wherever you're listening to this podcast. Welcome to another episode of I Saw What You Did. My name is Millie DeCherico. I'm Danielle Henderson. And guys, guess what? We're back to talk about movies with you. I hope that's I okay. Gonna, I thought you were going to drop something serious because you were like, guys, guess what? I'm like, oh, I, no. I know. I thought I was going to. And then I was like, no, I can't do that. It's it's just not who we are right now. You know, it can be. It can be. I listen back to some of our episodes sometimes. Um, either in the editing process or just, you know, day it comes out. I like to listen and listen with everybody. And I, my laugh is out of control. God, no, it's not. It's I know not. I've, I've discussed this before about how I need to calm down and I just can't. I just love doing this podcast and it's all the laughter is natural. I'm a yes. joyful person and I cannot help it. And I just, I'm a little maniac when I record. So I'm so excited. I, I, I. I really wish that you would never, ever think that your laugh is annoying or too much or anything like that. Because let me tell you right now, there are people that I know in my personal life, my fucking friends, <laughs> some of who I've known for over two decades, who are like ready to bottle your laugh and sell it Aww. at a farmer's market or some shit. Like they're, they love it so much. And that's why I continuously try to be a fucking horse's ass on this podcast <laughs> so I could get you to do that. We're just, a good like, team just, that way. Like you just did. So We are a good team that way. And I feel the same way. When I make you laugh, it just makes my whole day. <laughs> well, you know what I noticed too about, not to talk about my laugh when you're talking about your laugh, but I do, my laugh includes like a, like a yeah. clap. <laughs> like I'm like, <laughs> I'm always doing a clap and moving back. Moving back to my chair. I love it. It is a full body laugh. I love it. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> like that is what that is what I want. That is what I'm going for every time. Yeah. The full body laugh. It makes and I love when I'm listening back and I just hear like, like one little class. <laughs> and I'm like, there she goes. <laughs> the little laugh means I'm laughing really fucking hard. Uh no, and but what I mean, <sighs> I think this is especially this week. Like, you know, we can be serious. We have serious episodes. Don't get me wrong. But this week was a lot. We did a lot of shit this week. Both you and I, I know yeah. you were really busy. I was sick the pretty much yeah. the entire week. And so I, you know, was trying to work and do stuff while I was living in my bathroom. Well, I won't get into <laughs> details about that. Um, but... It's good. I feel like this episode is going to be, not only is it going to be fun, but it's also like we're in a weird mood. We're in a weird yeah. mind state. We're you know what I mean? Loopy. We're a yes. little loopy today. And I feel like this this episode is our reward for the week that we've had. <laughs> yes. Because last night, we had a whole other episode planned, by the way. And then last night, I realized my movie was not available. 
Yeah, I know. And it was such a bummer. And I'm like, what are we going to do? And then Millie was like, well, we could just bump up one of the other ones that we were going to do later. And I'm like, well, you know which one it's going to be. <laughs> After the week we've had, <laughs> we just need to see some action. Um, yes. But yeah, I'm very excited to to get to this week. But we guess I, but first I want to know how you're doing. So you lived in your bathroom this week. Yeah, so... I, uh, I was, I had a s- stomach flu, maybe, I, I, maybe food poisoning. Hard to tell. Hard to tell because it feels like the same symptoms a lot of, yeah. a lot of times. And when you Google it, it is pretty much the same symptoms. Um, and I, I know. I feel like the length of time that you were ill to me indicates more stomach flu. Yeah. Uh, and I have heard people who, who have had legit food poisoning be like, it is truly like I'm on death's door. And so I was like, well, I was close to the door, but not on it. So, you know, uh, yeah. I'm thinking it was probably some kind of flu or virus or something like that, too. But I got to tell you, I it came on so fast where I was truly just like pooting around doing my doing my tasks. And then all of a sudden, two hours after I got home um, and I went to I went to the barbell club, I went to you know go to the store i mean i was basically like doing shit and then yeah. two two hours after i got home it was like on and popping like i just was like oh i feel like shit like what <laughs> happened and i mean it was like i had a fever i had chills it was the the whole mess and i know we do Ugh. have a lot of like i'm not saying that only doctors listen to this podcast <laughs> like we we only have Look, like <laughs> we're huge in the medical community and we can't help it we only have doctors and nurses and other medical professionals that listen to this podcast. And no, but we do have a lot of people who will, whenever we talk about ailments, we always get like people saying it could be this, it could be that. So um, if you do have knowledge of this kind of stuff and, and you want to write to us, I saw what you did pot at gmail.com. I don't know. Um, I have a doctor, but I just, I just, you, you know. didn't go. That was, I mean, with, with the history that you've had with your own body, I'm like, if she doesn't go to the doctor, the next day, I might have to hop on a plane and go yeah. to Atlanta and drag you there. But I also had food poisoning the week before. Yeah. And that's why when we were kind of comparing notes, and I'm like, well, mine was kind of like a few hours of misery, but then it, I picked right back up. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought for sure it was definitely like a stomach flu or something worse. It could have been something worse, but I'm so glad it wasn't. Well, no. And 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 to be quite honest with you, like, you know, I talked a little bit about when I was in the hospital a few years ago and, you know, it was kind of a terrible experience. It was uh, very traumatic for me, uh, but yeah. it was, uh, you know, basically I was having a lot of the same symptoms that I had was having back then. Right. And so, you know, that stuff is sort of triggering you know, and so I'm like, there was a moment where in the first, like, I don't know, like it happened so late at night, like it was pretty much like 10 p.m. when I started feeling kind of terrible. And then I was like, well, I guess I'll just try to go to bed. And so and of course, that didn't happen. It was just sort of like running to the bathroom, like every hour, hour and a half yeah. to like, you know, hover over the toilet, you know, with my face in my hands, like, I'm like I don't know what's happening right now but basically yeah there was a moment where i thought oh my god like i truly did think it is happening again like i was like it's happening again and it was hard it was like hard for me to like think about that and then my my dad um i talked to my dad the next morning i basically my dad is awake at 5 a.m he's like one of these guys don't knock it 
I'm one of those guys. <laughs> I forgot you wake up super early. Don't knock it. I am an early rising dad. <laughs> okay. You and my dad are up at 5 a.m. And so it was literally just like I had stayed up all night in the bathroom. So by the time 5 a.m. rolled around, I was like, well, who's up right now? It's like, oh, my dad's up. Um, so I, I, you know, called my dad and I was basically like, so, uh, uh, something's going on. I don't really know what's happening. And, and he, he was really quick to like, talk me off that ledge. Like he was basically like, you had an MRI in December and they said everything was fine. So don't worry about it. And you know, it's probably just this thing that'll go away in 48 hours or something. And he was pretty much right. I mean, it, it went away. I mean, I'm not like a hundo right now but i'm like not as bad as i was right Right. like you're still replacing some electrolytes but you can you can talk for an hour without puking like we had to can't we had to cancel one of our recording sessions because it was like right in the thick of it and the now that i'm doing this i mean it's like i feel good enough to be on a podcast so i'm i'm good you know, yeah. I still feel a little tired, but everything else is fine. But yeah, it is a moment. I think there are people that are afraid to go to the doctor when things go mm-hmm. feel bad or when things go wrong. I certainly used to be. But now I'm kind of on the fence because I was like, well, I don't want to run to the doctor before I kind of know if I get a temp on what this might be. Right. And I told myself, if the if I have a fever on this day that I'm going if this happens, I'm going. Like, I just kind of made these, yeah. like, mile markers for myself. I think that's smart. Yeah. but And I'm, you know. I'm proud of you because I think th- that's part of the reason I was checking in with you and saying, like, go to a doctor. Don't be afraid to go to the doctor. It's because I knew that that could be, could be part of what you were feeling. Yeah. And when you don't know what's wrong, like, if you could definitively say, like, look, I was pounding raw not raw, but like, you know, I was just pounding like a handful of chicken breasts in my car after barbell class that's been <laughs> sitting in my car for five hours. I know for a fact this is food poisoning. Yeah. Then you would have felt OK with it. But not knowing what it was, I think you handled it really well. And I didn't want you to be like freaked out. But I also didn't want you to think, well, this is nothing and I don't have to go to a doctor. If you if it would help you go to a doctor to make you feel better about what was going on. Yeah, I say go. But you handled it beautifully. And I'm really proud of you. Well, thank you, because it was like, I mean, it wasn't pretty, obviously, just sort of in that general sense of like, oh, you're puking all over the place. <laughs> like, that ain't getting, pretty. What's getting pretty real intimate that? with that toilet. Thank God you replaced those toilets when you moved in. <laughs> oh, I know, right? And then, but then it's like, I was also, it was like also that unpretty of like, um, normally I'm a very strong, independent woman. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like cursing myself for not having married somebody or so, you know, when I was having like one of those things where I'm like, I'm puking alone. Like, why? Why? Why am I Instacarting Imodium AD and fucking Gatorade? Fuck me. You know, I was. <laughs> as, as a divorced person, I can tell you. No matter what your relationship is like or who you pick to be within this world, when you are puking, you are always puking alone. <laughs> There's nothing anybody can do to fucking help you feel better or do anything for you. And if someone's just hovering and hanging out while you're puking, it is the most annoying thing in the world. Okay. Thank you for the scripture. I needed to remember that because honestly, I was like, 
truly like feeling like that misery of like yeah i don't know why i made this life for myself and i can't no. believe this you know having having <laughs> those moments that are not what strong independent middle-aged women do right but sick people do yeah <laughs> sick, when i get sick i'm just like please somebody this is the this is the thing that you you and i should both be worried about or at least i should say when i had food poisoning this is what I was worried about because my first thought was it's entirely possible I'm just going to shit myself to death. Yes. On this toilet. Yes. So then my worry <laughs> became what if I die in my house alone? Oh yeah. That's the real worry. Is like what if I fucking collapse in here? Yes. And then nobody what like carrot carrot's not going to do anything. He's just going to be like in my face with his hot breath being like where's my dinner? Yeah, and do you okay, this is going to get dark. <laughs> not that we've ever been afraid of dark but it might be a little dark for some folks go for it we need the darkness to to counterbalance the levity of what's yeah. coming i told you it's gonna get weird today do you ever as as a woman living on her own do you ever sometimes think oh i'm shitting myself to death right now am i do i should i change this shirt should i like put a bra on should i like put on it like a, a necklace because I don't want to die with the worst pair of underwear I own <laughs> and in a fucking Gigi Allen t-shirt or something <laughs> like, you know, it's like <laughs> a Gigi Allen t-shirt. <laughs> this, this woman loved puking. We know this because of the Gigi Allen t-shirt. These, they have like a CSI person come in and they're like, these stains are at least three days old. This lady loved to puke. <laughs> loved that it. Gigi Allen t-shirt told us so much. I truly have never had that thought because in my day-to-day -day life, I'm such a dirtbag that it just never crosses my mind. I feel like if I die, I have shit myself to death. So I'm probably either on the toilet or near the toilet. My underwear, I already have to throw them out because I basically practically shit myself already. So those got to go. <laughs> and as far as a bra or anything like jewelry related, so sorry. Like there's enough going on downstairs that you shouldn't even be paying attention to what's going on upstairs. EMTs. EMTs are just going to get what they get. When I, when I finally go, it is going to be like the Crypt Keeper at any age, even if I go tomorrow, they're going to be like, has this bitch been dead already for 10 years? <laughs> like, her skin is dry as shit. She's a fucking husk of a person. She's not wearing makeup. This hair isn't done. This hair is dry. The hair's been wrapped up, not done. These fingernails have been chewed to oblivion. Like, has this bitch been dead for 10 years already? And that's just me every day of my life walking around. I went to the store today. I have a, one pair of pants that's a size too big. And I'll usually wear them on like my bloated days or whatever. Uh -huh. And lately they've just made their way into the rotation. Oh, so sure. I'll put them on. And once I'm dressed, I'm dressed. I'm not changing. So I put them on and I'm like, oh, these are the big ones. Oh, well. And I'm walking around like trying to hold my pants up. I had to go to the hardware store today, to the feed store, and buy some light bulbs and as I'm walking in, I'm like hiking my pants up. And then I look down and I realize I had I had baked beans for lunch again. 
hobo lifestyle. What the fuck? I had some I had some baked bean juice on my t-shirt. My hair was wrapped. I had no earrings on. I wasn't wearing my glasses. <laughs> and I overplucked my eyebrows for the first time in about 20 years. So I have a big old ball spot in one of my eyebrows. I looked nuts. And I'm like hiking up my pants with my stained shirt and my fucking wonky eyebrow. And I'm like, yeah, this is just me going to the store. So if I shit myself to death on a toilet, you get what you get. And don't even don't even gussy me up in the casket. Just let be like, yeah, that that's the Danielle we know. That motherfucker right there. <laughs> Yo, that is truly some Gigi Allen shit. Because basically that's that's the way when when he died, he was like, do not embalm me. Put me in the casket with nothing. I want to wear my clothes. Like I'm I'm this is how I'm going out. So that's basically what earth. you're saying right now. Oh yeah, return me to wrap me in muslin and bury me under a tree. Like don't even put the effort forward. Just be like, yep, that's her. Disgusting. When I go, I want you to, like, if I have Dorito dust or something, just leave it there. Just leave it on my cheek. <laughs> if my tongue is orange because I've been chowing down on orange Tic Tacs, that's the way that I lived. I want to die how I lived, which is disgusting. <laughs> so I'm, I'm impressed that you even consider making the effort to put on a necklace. Okay, it's not even a vanity thing other than... <laughs> Don't you tell the tale about me. Like You, you uh, want to write your own story. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> listen, it normally doesn't look this bad in here. Like, I fucking clean my house. Like, <laughs> please, please believe that there is not, like, fucking garbage everywhere because I haven't been able to literally stand up for more than five seconds without <laughs> puking on myself. You know what I mean? It's the thing where you're like, they're going to come in here and do the, because no one here is, no one lives here but me. Yeah. And no one can corroborate the story that I was a good person and I was clean. Uh, they're they're just going to do a wellness check and be like, she was not well. Wow. She was not well. Yeah. She was actually <laughs> fucking crazy. And then we have, you know, 60 something episodes of this podcast she did where she laughed too loud. Like, absolutely. The signs were there. Like, we knew <laughs> the entire time. That she was losing her shit. <laughs> and then Casey and Alexis are going to release like the burp reels. <laughs> like, oh the my God, these two, these two ladies just burped at the start of every episode. <laughs> my God, they were te they were telegraphing so much <laughs> every week. <laughs> I, I love that. I the, In the cartoon version of this in my mind. You are in your bathroom. It's coming out of both ends like a faucet, and you ha you're trying to Swiffer. Like yeah. that is what's going on in my mind. You got like the Swiffer wet jet, just pushing it into the corners and trying to trying to clean up as you go. Listen, this is actually fucking true about me because, <laughs> like, okay, what what like. But my mom and dad will tell you this story. Like when I got out of the hospital, like, you know, a couple years ago, it was literally like within 24 hours of literally being out of a hospital with an open wound, wound vacuum across my abdomen. I was still on antibiotics and I was cleaning my apartment. Like I was in my apartment, oh, I remember. like pushing shit around and I was fucking mopping, you know, I was yeah. like, yes, I'm back, baby. I'm back. And my dad is literally like, they went out to the store to get me. You're going to hate this muscle milk because <laughs> they, 
How how dare you? I did not tell you this at the time that we discussed this, but my doctors prescribed me muscle milk. They basically were like, you need to drink this to get your strength back. That is some L.A. shit. Because let me tell you, across the nation, that would have been ensure. But L.A. is like, you need some muscle milk. Yeah, you need some chia seeds and muscle milk. They so basically they went out to the store and they will they will tell the tale that they came back. And I was like pushing a mop around like I'm fucking Carol Burnett. And they're they're (laughs) like, what are you doing? Like, you're not supposed to be actively sick and cleaning at the same time. So I I remember this. I remember because I remember saying to you, hey, if you need someone to walk Sophie or like take your laundry or do anything like just let I'll be there. Like, I'll do it. And you're like, no, I got it. And I'm like, you don't got it. You just got (laughs) it. I know. So that's the thing is I am. I would be that woman that's like shitting and puking at the same time while swiffering. Like, you know. You know that picture of like the lovers that died and they're like two skeletons that are intertwined yes. and they died hugging? That's going to be you with a Swiffer or a mop or like a cinnamon broom or something. They'll be like, <laughs> <laughs> she's died cradling this, this Swiffer. Cinnamon <laughs> broom. To the bitter end. She was clean until the bitter end. <laughs> she was shitting, but she still wanted this place to smell like cinnamon. And for that, oh we God. loved her. Meanwhile, they're going to come into my house and be like, a serial killer absolutely lives here. 100%. Look at these funky-ass fingernails. Look at this motherfucking house. Look at this motherfucking lady. Wow. Someone should have done an intervention on her years ago. Years. (laughs) And you're going to be like in that little cradle, little cradle with your Swiffer, little skeleton cradle. (laughs) We have such... Great outlooks of our future. Both of those are so bleak. Yes. (laughs) Like, you thought the Dunkin' fucking Donuts guy was clinically depressed? Get a load of these two. Get a load of these two. Oh, God. Oh, the only upswing is that I'm going to have a 90-year-old roommate soon. And uh, if I pass away before... But here's the thing. If I die... Up here, I'm still going to rot because she can't do steps. So, yeah. Listen, that that's that's this is, again, another thing where you're just sort of like, OK, well, th- somebody's still going to tell the tale about me, I suppose, because yeah, she- somebody somebody will come and check on her and then they'll be like, oh, we haven't seen Danielle in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And, and she'll be got- like, I have dementia. I don't know that. Yeah. And then you got your fucking little cutie cat carrot sitting around with a toothpick hanging out of his mouth being like about time y'all showed up this is a house of horrors right here i don't know where y'all been i'm like full-on heathcliff tap dancing for some sardines now what the fuck oh my god (laughs) full-on heathcliff <laughs> They'd be like, that one died. This one has dementia. Absolutely nobody is feeding carrot. Nobody's caring about carrot right now. <laughs> How about y'all come up and send me to the ASPCA? <laughs> this is <laughs> truly the darkest intro we've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, hilarious. <laughs> oh my well, god. Look, it was a dark week. It was a dark week. Truly. But you know what? And I what? know I said I wouldn't, but I absolutely have coffee for this recording. 
Yeah. In honor of this recording. Yeah. I had two Diet Cokes within an hour. So I'm cranked, if you know what I mean. I feel like we should get into it. Yeah. I mean, listen, we're going to make this transition right now from the darkest uh, outlooks (laughs) of life to something way more, way more positive and also just like really, really fucking insane. And I'm so excited Look, we're about to get bonkers, and that's all that we need to say. (laughs) It's going to get bonkers in here. Okay, it's about to get bonkers in here, right? We got this in creds episode. Uh, Why don't you tell them what the theme is this week? Longtime listeners might be aware of what our theme is this week. But even for the newbies, have we got a treat for you? Because our theme is all the way up Statham Fest. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> I just want Jason Statham to star in Western Union commercials. <laughs> but he's not. He starred in these movies and we are talking about them. Our all the way up theme is usually based around an actor that, despite whether the scene or movie calls for it or not, they cannot help but take every scene to 11. Yes, exactly. And and in previous episodes, we've discussed movies starring the likes of Leonardo DiCaprio, Tom Hardy, and we've been teasing you with this Statham thing. And... We finally had to do it to you. I mean, we were so, we had had this on the calendar for a very long time. We were just like, when are we dropping it in? It felt like the right time to do it. And honestly, like, I was like, how come this can't happen every week? Like, watching movies like this every week, because I want, first of all, I want to know a little bit. So, Jason Statham, the actor, the action movie star, I would say like Mm -hmm. the worldwide, I mean, he's a worldwide. Oh, international. Yeah, international yeah. celebrity worldwide. Um, <laughs> he's Mr. Worldwide. No, he's that Mr. Is worldwide. Also, P.S., Carrot hopped on my lap as soon as we started talking about Jason Statham. So if you hear purring, it's because he is 100% Statham approved. Listen, he, even cats love him. He's that <laughs> He is that famous. And, you know, to me, he, he really kind of fits in that tradition of those, like, huge international action stars, obviously, like Schwarzenegger, like Clint Eastwood, yep. like, you know, Stallone, all those types. But I actually, it's funny, I don't really know much about his life. Like, I don't know much about him. Yeah. And I figured you might know a little something, right? I definitely do, because he kind of came out of nowhere and was just like, hi, I'm action guy. And you're like, wait, what? Who are you? Yeah. No, I, I feel like that's exactly what happened. No. Yeah. And it kind of did. Like, so he, so Jason Statham is British. He was actually a member of Britain's national diving team, like, and competed in the Commonwealth Games. Like, that was his young, in his younger years, that's what he did. Um, and that parlayed into a career as a model. He also grew up with Vinnie Jones, the footballer who was in a lot of Guy Ritchie movies. And his modeling, and I, I'm thinking his correlation to Vinnie Jones as well, is what put him on Guy Ritchie's radar. So he started acting in Guy Ritchie films and then became, you know, he's always does kind of these rough and tumble guys and kind of gruff characters. 
And he has on his own done kickboxing and different types of martial arts. So like he was a fit dude who was into action stuff already. So it made sense to then just plop him into an action movie role. Yeah. And that's where he got started. And he's just been in a million movies since. He seems like kind of a nice guy. And yeah. like in general, like, I don't know if you've checked out his Instagram. His Instagram stories are very funny. And he lives in a sick house with Rosie Huntington Whiteley, who's also another actor. Um, they have a little kid named Oscar. But his house is like so well appointed. Oh, that that is easily one of my favorite little factoids about him. Uh, and I it, honestly, I don't I didn't know. I just told you I didn't know much about him, but I did read <laughs> I did read the Architectural Digest uh, write-up of his house in L.A., which is this fucking gorgeous mid-century modern estate. I mean, it looks incredible. I mean, it looks like... I, I joked about this in our Slack, but it looks like the house that Rock Hudson got drunk in in seconds. It's so... It truly does. Yeah, it's like this great, like, you know, floor-to-ceiling windows. I mean, it's like perfect period piece furniture like i was like looking at the photo spread from that uh architectural digest um uh, article and Ugh. he's got like he it, he's quoted as saying like he loves danish furniture and art and everything and i'm just like it's that thing where you're like oh you don't expect this guy that's like you know punching dudes through a door <laughs> to have like this great aesthetic you know this great taste and so yeah. I, I just love that i actually think that's super cool about him i think i do too i think that adds to me that adds to his mystique and he just it makes it makes him much more down to earth like he he has said in the past um that stunt people deserve their own oscars and he's really like champion people who work on on set with him like he's just a nice guy who has good taste and seems to be a good person at the time of this recording at the time of the, we always have to add that little asterisk, right? Look, in um, 2022, you never know. Yeah, you can't, you can't just not do it. But um, yeah, I, what's it, I also think too, like what makes him all the way up, right? Because that's kind of mm. the thing. We, we, we try to figure this out, I think, with Tom Hardy and Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> I tried, really, I actually did try. I'd be like, here's my, you know, argument for why I think Leonardo DiCaprio is this, you know, and I was like, yeah. it's, it's older, you know, his older acting period or whatever. But um, with him, because to me, he he's sort of more when I say that he's kind of like a Schwarzenegger Stallone, I actually think he's more like a Van Damme. Like he's leaner, yeah. he's into martial arts, which I'm gonna dangle this out there for you, Daniel. Martial arts guys. Okay. In general? In general. Like a guy that really gets into martial arts, I'm like, Here's there's there's something there. There's something going on. For me, a guy that's really into martial arts is a red flag. <laughs> <You're> so- <laughs> Even Jason Statham. If Jason Statham walked up to me on the street and was a nobody and was just like, I work at a stall, like I work at that shop over there, and then we go out on a date and he's like, I'm really into martial arts. I am check, please. <laughs> and I don't know why. White guys that are into martial arts, I'm just like, hmm. <laughs> yeah. If you I own know- a katana, I'm calling the cops. Look, maybe I'm I'm self-hating. Maybe I'll throw that out there. <laughs> but when I grew up in the, when I was a, like a little kid, like when I was in the 80s, 
damn did I love a white guy that like had nunchucks. Like I was like, who is this fascinating, interesting boy? Like well, nunchucks in general were always the gate. That was the gateway. Maybe that's why I now see it as a red flag. <laughs> no, I, now I'm like, okay, calm down. Okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm glad that I've talked you out of your own interest in the span of a minute. Yeah, but no, in the 80s, though, it was like, I think martial arts were having like a heyday for white people. Completely. <laughs> Let's just say that. Completely. <laughs> but it's um, it's that thing where, you know, it was just a lot of it, like ninja movies were really popular in the 80s. You know, I think about all the canon films that came out that were all about ninjas. Yeah. And um, all, all the kids in the neighborhood had those throwing stars and they had nunchucks and they were all like taking karate classes and stuff. And I'm just sort yep. of like... You know, I think it was that kind of thing where at the time I felt like in terms of sports, okay, it felt a little less aggressive to be a karate yeah. kid than you were like a football jock, right? It's, it's a little more cerebral. Like it's definitely yes. more cerebral yes. kind of physical activity because yeah. you have to think a lot about where your next movements are going and it's more of a dance and it's, yeah, yeah. it's definitely more cerebral. Now, and here's the thing I will say, if... If I meet a dude who's really into martial arts, red flag. However, <laughs> if I meet a dude who can just straight up kick someone in the face. <laughs> and can you have one without the other is the question. How are you learning how to kick someone in the face from a standing position, like a roundhouse kick to the face, if you don't do martial arts? I got to make you one of those Drake memes where it's like the, fir the first Drake, like, no. <laughs> No martial arts. And then maybe with the kicking yes! somebody in the face. Yes! <laughs> I got to do that for you and send it to you. But yes. I no. mean, these are, this is a therapeutic conversation because I'm like, why one, not the other? I don't know, Danielle. I don't well, know. We're complicated bitches. We, we know this. But, you know, when it comes to Statham in terms of his like physicality, though, I think that does like his martial arts experience is what makes him kind of a little bit more fascinating to me than just sort of you're yeah. like you know whatever i actually do love all the kind of more modern day like i love vin diesel and all the in the rock we talk about the rock all the time on this podcast but, squeaky muscles mcgee yeah little but squeakers little squeaks he doesn't kiss but he does apparently we were told by you all um but you know but you especially in your movie you can really see that like there's those scenes oh, yeah. of him fighting where it's literally he's doing his whole like hand movement <laughs> shit like i'm like he's wow he's just straight voguing <laughs> yes and but throwing it's like, in some punches <laughs> yeah no it's like you can really tell in your movie that he has that um experience but i'm so excited because I will say something. I don't know if I've ever said this before that your movie is like legit good. Like, and mine is like maybe something else. <laughs> Yours is in your own favorite parlance, a thought experiment. Yes, it truly is. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's let's get into it. Let's start breaking it down. I'm ready. I'm so ready. Let's see where we go with this, where we end up. Yes. Uh, because my film for the theme of All the Way Up Statham Fest was released in 2002. It was directed by Corey Wen and Louis Leterrier. And it was written by Luc Besson and Robert Mark Kamen. And my movie is The Transporter. 
Frank Martin is the best in the business. 75,000, half now, half on delivery. He never made a mistake until today. So this film is fantastic. You're right. Um, I <laughs> I will say that the director, Corey Wen, is very, very popular amongst these action movies. He directed The X-Men. He directed Romeo Must Die, Cradle to the Grave, the number two, don't forget, yes, Cradle yes. to the Grave, <laughs> and The Expendables, amongst other things. Um, and this is... It's just such a wild ride. And this has to be said. I I do not want to gloss over this particular part. Um, This movie was written by Luc Besson, produced by Luc Besson. I did not... And Luc Besson is known for The Fifth Element, La Femme Nikita, a host of movies that... Leon, like a host of movies that have been part of our, our cultural consciousness over the years. Until I started researching this film, I didn't realize that he had been accused of sexual assault by five women. Oh, wow. And so, yeah. And so even though the charges were thrown out, I would have picked a different state, Jason State, the movie, if I had known that. So I just want you guys to know, you know, that I'm aware of that. And we're not going to talk about Luke Besson <laughs> because I don't think he deserves the platform. But that, yeah, if I'd known that, I would have chosen another another film. So, yeah, I just wanted to let you know that I'm I'm aware and we are aware. And so instead, let's talk about this film. I got a one-sentence synopsis, and my one-sentence synopsis is, All hell breaks loose when Frank Martin, a former military man turned driver for hire, breaks his own rules in this ridiculous movie that is stupidly fixated on BMW cars. (laughs) (laughs) That it is. Like, it just is. My real summary of this film is that Jason Statham plays a character named Frank who is retired military and he's moved to the French Riviera. He does a job in Nice and that's how we learn what his job actually is as a driver for hire. And the basic premise of the film is that Frank will transport anything. He does not give a fuck. He only asks for the dimensions of the object and the weight so that he can plot his movements on how he's going to transport this thing. And he lives by three simple rules. <laughs> never change the deal, no names, and never open the package. Which I think are applicable to, to daily life. Yeah. Oh, I would say. Also, thoughts on people who live by three simple rules? I know. <laughs> like, that, sus. honestly. Super sus. <laughs> yeah, super sus. Red flag. Like, that fucking cracks me up that cracked me up almost immediately when i saw this movie i was like oh here's a guy that's got three simple rules here we go totally because he's sitting in a car i mean the opening scene is kind of hilarious because he's sitting in a car in front of a bank heist and they have they have broken rule number one these these bank robbers because there are supposed to only be three people in the car and there are four people in the car and he is refusing to move unless they get rid of someone And I'm like, look, if you're going to live by three simple rules, those rules should be as open-ended as possible because life is going to throw you curveballs. Yes. You cannot be that rigid about your own life. I know. And I and I understand that he's a mil he's a special forces guy, which is like even more military than just being a military guy. I get that. And, you know, like we we know that in movies and in real life that like military guys like just 
follow the rules and there's like a code and everything like that. But it is that thing where you're like, well, this is going to fuck up a lot of shit for him in this movie because he's not flexible. He's not flexible enough for this film. And look, <laughs> maybe maybe we're the ones. Well, I don't live in the French Riviera. Maybe I should have three simple rules. <laughs> I would have no rules if I maybe lived in the French Riviera. <laughs> <laughs> I've never had given myself a rule in my life as my <laughs> life will showcase. I need a chaperone. <laughs> <laughs> But Frank lives by these three rules and he's so rigid about it. And this is how he makes his money. He will charge people 40,000 bucks and up um, depending on the job and lives well and takes the jobs he wants and lives, you know, a a beautiful life um, that is empty and rigid and very, very cold. (laughs) His house, even though his house is in like a very sunny kind of, you know, lively place, his his house is bleak. He's Mm -hmm. living a bleak life. Now, Frank delivers a package one day, only to find out as he opens the trunk, because he sees the package kind of wiggling when they put it in the trunk. He opens the trunk and finds a real human woman inside this bag mm-hmm. as he's changing a flat tire. Her name is Lai, and she is played by the actress Shu Ki, who is a huge actress in Hong Kong. Like She's made over 60 movies. And Lai is... Part of his first rule breaking, because he looked in the bag. So now that he knows a person is back there, his better judgment takes over. And he like, you know, gets her an orange orangina and he lets her out to pee. And while he's letting her out to pee, even though he ties a rope around her neck like a fucking savage. Savage for sure. Yeah. And I'm like, you didn't. Also, that's just not how you how you I'm revealing too much about myself, but that's not how you restrain someone. If you really meant business, that ain't how you do it. A loop around the neck. I sh- I want to interrogate this, but I'm not gonna interrogate Wait, I'm not I I refuse to incriminate myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how you do it. So she of course wiggles free, because all she has to do is take the loop off of her neck and runs into the forest and he chases her and eventually catches up with her. But now he's like embedded with this package. Like he he knows that it's a woman and he knows that she doesn't want to be there. She's being delivered against her will. Um, so after he delivers her to this thug named Betancourt, um, Betancourt tries to blow Frank up mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of erase all traces of the fact that Lie was delivered to him. Um, but he messes up because... Frank will stop at a roadside cafe for any reason. (laughs) So when his car blows up, he's not in it. And he then makes it his personal mission to get back at this dude. And he kind of ends up saving Lai in the process. Lai is great. Lai is super industrious. And she acclimates to Frank's bullshit in order to get what she wants, which is for her father to stop human trafficking. But Lai's like, no, I'm going to get my dad to stop this and you're going to help and she becomes part of his thing. Yeah. And the other thing I always wonder too is does Frank have a budget for car repairs that is just astronomical? Like does he buy a new car after every job? Yeah. He, he, I mean even if it's just in one piece it's bullet riddled, the undercarriage is scraped like Well, okay. Now we're going to get we got to get into the paperwork of this job as we've done before on this podcast, like vampire jobs, that kind of thing. Okay. Exactly. So he is an independent contractor, right? He's got a, I don't know, maybe like a LLC. Oh, who knows? What As a transporter, 
who has three simple rules? What What is this business model, right? We want to know this, right? So as part of that, does he have to buy his own shit? Like, is is the, you know, are the cars his? Like, is he like right. a taxi cab driver where he has to own his own car? Or are cars provided to him f- for the people that he's doing these jobs for? Like, what's the deal? I think, I think he buys his own shit. He has different license plates to flip through to protect his own shit. Yeah. And we have, we can talk a little bit, too, about Inspector Tarconi, because he's kind of in with the local cops that sort of seem to know what he's doing and don't actually seem to be that bothered by it. Right. Yeah. So I feel like he does his own shit. But then how are you going to fix a bullet hole? Like, it's very different to like, I know how to change my o- my own oil and change a tire to like, I'm going to patch a bullet hole. Yeah. I mean, some of these cars are fucked up. So I'm kind of like, how is this? What's he doing here? What's going on? Is he filing also, an insurance claim? You know? Ex- like, well, ex- thank you. Thank you. And is this insurance company like, Mr. Martin, this is the 15th car <laughs> you've claimed in the last nine months alone. We're going to have to start asking some questions, sir. <laughs> We're dropping you, sir. We cannot insure a transporter any State longer. Farm refuses to insure a transporter. <laughs> You might want to take that shit to Nationwide. <laughs> so the, these are the questions I have about Frank's, just Frank's daily life. Also, I think this this film absolutely should have been called and could have been called Planes, Trains, and Automobiles if it had not already been taken. Oh, totally. <laughs> Way to go, Frank, Steve Frank Martin or whatever. <laughs> Steve Martin and John Candy. Thanks. Because he truly commandeers every sort of vehicle in this in this film so this movie's wonderful he basically is trying you know he he saves lie because she gets in the back of his car after he fucks up people in this house and she becomes part of the journey but let's talk about these fight scenes so this movie to me is five fight scenes the first one being the hallway axe fight when he goes back to fuck up the guys that tried to blow him up oh my god i, I don't even know what to say like uh, so i saw this movie when it Around the time it came out, haven't seen it since. The way that he comes into the house initially is fucking amazing. Where he just like <laughs> the guy gets up from the poker table and he, and he just goes, "What the?" F-? And then just the door just explodes, <laughs> just full wooden door off the hinges. Yes, it was so awesome, and really incredible. Then it just kind of like again, like at me, it, it kind of goes into the hallway where those twins show up <laughs> that's that's our next podcast axe twins with <laughs> Millie and Danielle. I, I love it i just love in these action films when someone has boiled down their physicality to one instrument like i'm axe guy Yes. I'm the guy that has the fucking arrow, and that's all. Like, if you give me a gun, I don't want to. I'll throw it out the window. I don't know how to use that shit. Give me a fucking axe. Give me a hatchet. Let's get down to business. <laughs> like, they cannot deal with any other weapons. Oh my god, no kidding. And then, like the way, like I said earlier, like the way that he moves in this scene when they're like chop, 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 and he's just like huh, huh, huh. It was like that part. It was like it reminded me a lot of John Wick. It was kind of that yeah. like John Wickian thing where like it's like a inch. Moving sort of inch by inch, trying to like deflect chops or something. And you're just like, holy fuck, like stay. I don't even have the neck muscles 
to do that at all. <laughs> I, I don't have the neck muscles is the title of my next memoir. <laughs> True, truer words have never been spoken. I don't have the neck muscles. And there are times where he is fighting on, he's standing on one leg, fighting these axe twins, and he's essentially horizontal. Yes. <laughs> like, I don't even know what muscles you have to engage to fight horizontally. <laughs> and he's like kicking him in the stomach and using his hands. He's just, he's all over the place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. I love that fight scene. My next favorite fight scene, this, in, this involves Lai. So Lai shows up at his house. And I mean, as it will happen, we've all had this happen where you're having a nice breakfast at home and eating some Madeleines and someone fires a, a fucking missile into your house. <laughs> someone stands in your driveway, sends an arcing missile into your fucking house and starts blowing your shit up. And they do this literally a minute after Inspector Tarconi has left. So if he just literally looked in his rearview mirror, he would have seen a house being that he just left being blown up by missiles. <laughs> but apparently the sound wasn't loud enough and the smoke wasn't deep enough because he does I, not come back. I fucking love that shit. Like it's imagine just minute. being like pull backing out of a driveway being like, Oh, I guess I didn't notice a missile attack happening behind me. At all. <laughs> At all. And he's like, there's no way you can miss it. There's no way you can miss it. But they, these dudes are just litter, just littering this house with missiles. <laughs> and <laughs> the way that Lai and Frank escape, again, who hasn't been there on any given Saturday, <laughs> they jump into an elevator take it down to the ground as it's the, the house is being blown up around them. And then they jump into a tank where Frank has secured two scuba units. Uh-huh. And then they, po they pop on their scuba gear and just swim away. Yes. <laughs> just swim away <laughs> from the wreckage of his life. Yeah. The, the, of course, we have to incorporate some kind of water sequence because of the diving stuff. Right. But of like, course. you know, that's the thing that's so funny is actually that like scene is actually kind of beautiful in a weird way because it's like yeah. underwater and like the colors are great. But then you're like, oh, yeah, they just are escaping a missile attack. <laughs> just flat out like fire in the sky above them. And they're like, <laughs> la, 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 romance. <laughs> And then they just pop up in, like, the exit is not designated. So they just scuba, they just fucking swim, swim, swim. And then they pop up in somebody's pool. Yes. <laughs> like, in their house. And then they're just like, okay, yeah, this is cool. We'll just use this house to get some clothes and get our shit together. Like, that was the plan. He didn't, he didn't elaborate on the plan beyond scuba unit for me and possibly one other person. <laughs> And then while while hell is raining down around them, let's just have a little romantic hand-holding scuba moment, like fucking Blue Lagoon style. <laughs> and then I'm going to rob a house. Oh, God. It's so good. My oh, yeah. next favorite fight is the container yard kick fight. So he, goes, okay. he ends up going to this shipping yard filled with these containers and Lia's already there. She's been captured. Her dad is there. Like, every, everyone's there. Everyone's there. And he's in the yard trying to listen with a regular stethoscope <laughs> to the van. 
scans to figure out if there are human beings inside. (laughs) He looks absurd. It is ridiculous. And then, of course, he gets attacked and he has to kick fight people throughout the container yard. And then he ends up jumping from the container onto a bus. Yes. To escape. Let me ask you this. I don't know if you actually know this or not, but did he do his own stunts in this movie? No, he has a stuntman. Okay, okay got yeah. it. Okay, cool. He probably did some of the, like, you know, punching stuff, and but yeah. he, he has a stuntman. And yeah. then, so this container yard fight, which again, is just absurd, leads to my next favorite fight, which might be my favorite fight. The last two of these are my last favorite fights in the yeah. whole movies, in the whole movie. But this one kind of takes the cake because it is also has the extra added element of being coded is very queer to me. Mm. And I'm talking about the shirtless bus depot grease fight. (laughs) Because let me tell you, he hops on this bus and gets away. The bus pulls into the depot. He hops off and he's just instantly surrounded by dudes. So he has to fight his way off off of a bus, first and foremost. Uh Uh-huh. Then while he's in this bus depot garage spot, he locate he he kind of runs over and sees there's a bunch of bikes against a wall. He kind of kicks over a bunch of oil cans, like just big <laughs> vats of grease <laughs> hanging out. He yeah. kicks them over while while he's fighting these guys. Then he takes the pedals, he kicks the pedals off of this bike. <laughs> so he can get some traction during this grease fight. Yeah. But then he rolls on the ground and purposefully rubs himself down with grease. Mm, I see where you're going here. I see where you're going. Yep. And then he's slip sliding all over the... I mean, he is literally sliding all over the place. (laughs) Those slip and slide skills that we had as kids would come in handy if you were this kind of assassin. What what is the rationale? Okay, again, I don't want to get too practical with action movies, but I do because it's it's a passion of mine to overanalyze hilariously absurd action films okay right so the reason to grease up an a fight sequence like to just throw that into the mix it's so like here we go we we let them fight but we oil them down oil them up so that they can't catch him yes yes because now the bad guys can't get a grip on him yes and they're not kicking off any pedals and they don't have like any traction but it's also set in a mood. You know what I'm saying? Oh, it's set it in is mood. 100% set in a mood. And they <laughs> knew what they were doing. Yeah. And they're like, guess what? We will capture the queer audience, like yes. it or not. <laughs> yes. Because we will grease this man up. <laughs> and He's that everyone's hot. pants will drop. Everyone's <laughs> pants, every gender, every pant will drop. Yes. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so, yeah, that scene to me is hilarious because he's just genuinely slip sliding all over the place and then he purposefully pours grease on himself (laughs) and then he kicks the pedals just hear what i'm saying he kicks the pedals off of a bike (laughs) and then like pops his feet in them like he's gonna ride the tour de france yes (laughs) and instead he just kind of tiptoes over the grease and escapes (laughs) how very dante's peak of him it is (laughs) Carefully Dante speak. <laughs> it is nonstop. Oh god, I love that. I love that scene so much, but not as much as the next scene. Okay. So my final fight scene that to me sums up the transporter is what I'm calling the 18 wheeler feet fight. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So first and foremost, Frank 
hijacks a, a plane. He, he hijacks like a biplane. Then he parachutes onto an 18-wheeler with the precision of a surgeon. <laughs> yeah. And then he, after parachuting onto the 18-wheeler and wrestling control of it away from the driver, he ends up at some at one point fighting a man with his hands and driving the 18-wheeler with his feet. Because as we know, feet are the ultimate hands-free device. <laughs> the seat is horizontal. He's popped himself back to squish this man. That didn't work. So he starts driving the truck with his feet. That is why I love... This is why he's our all-the-way-up king. You know what Completely. I'm saying? Because Completely. he's like, well, fuck it. I'm doing something up here up the top of the body. What's going on with these legs? They're not doing shit. Might as well just drive this thing with them. Why not? Might as well take it to 11. All of these scenes. He's taken to, why fight one guy with an axe when you can fight two guys with an axe? Exactly. (laughs) Why have somebody shoot at my house when they can throw a missile into my house? Yes. Why just fight someone (laughs) on a bus when I could cover myself in grease? And why drive an 18-wheeler when I could just use my feet? Just driving with my feet. He is all the way up all the time. This movie is wild. <laughs> and this that is why it is my contribution to this theme, because it is like, it does not take a break from ratcheting up the all the way upness. Damn, I got to tell you, like, it was a joy to watch this movie again. Like, honestly, like I say, you know, a lot of a lot of your movies, I'm like, it's a joy to watch this movie. No, this was a fucking joy to rewatch this because... Like I said, I hadn't seen it in forever. And to me, you know, I was like, I kind of was into the Guy Ritchie world, you know, obviously knew him from that. But then when this stuff started coming out, I never saw the sequels. I only saw the first one. Um, oh, yeah, there have been three Transporters. I've only seen this. I Actually, I saw, I've seen Transporter 2. Yeah. Well, I yeah, I've not seen the other two. But yeah, I was like... This is good. Like, this is a good movie. I mean, it, it does look like a commercial in a lot of ways. And when you know, like, the sort of history of how it came from or was inspired by a commercial or something like that or like a... Yeah, it was inspired by a BMW series called The Hire. Okay. Where they featured the the, tr- the cars in it. So... Uh, yeah. Or maybe... I don't know if it was a commercial. Maybe it was just, like, some kind of brand-sponsored film or something like that. But... um Yeah. But it feels like a car commercial now. Like a what what car commercials now look like was the transporter. Completely. You know Completely. what I'm saying? It's crazy. Um Completely. But, oh, they're always like, look what this car can do. You can drive it off a cliff. You can drive it with your feet. You can drive it with while your you're feet. Fucking beating someone up with your hands. You can take your kids to soccer practice, but you could also parachute into an ocean with it. <laughs> You know, because yeah, I still watch his films. I mean, I saw The Meg. I saw, you know, Spy. I saw I saw the Expendables movies. And then you watch this. You're like, oh, he's so young. And like, a yeah. real, like, he's got that, like, not going to lie. He's got that kind of model guy energy where you're like, yeah, he knows he's hot. And he's, he's serving a look. Like, he's definitely giving you that look. And I, to me, I was like, oh, I love going back to this like to yes. this statham it was like oh like it's it's kind of comforting in a weird way i was like i'm it comforted is. by this era of statham right baby statham in a loafer yes a loafer no socks in the fucking french riviera we love it we love and, to see it right and just using his body just kicking just kicking to his heart's content yes it's like seeing someone <laughs> in their element thriving <laughs> he's like at a ball in new york city <laughs> doing his like inch by inch 
maneuvers to get away from axe chops. <laughs> I fucking loved it. I was like, this is so awesome. It really, it was really, truly like, it was a joy. It, I, I was, I felt so great after watching it. It was so fun. Me too. Especially again, after the week we had, I was like, maybe we just need to watch someone get kicked in the face. And you were like, yes, yes. 100%. 100%. It changed my mood. I went to bed so happy. Oh my God. Completely. And then there's your uh, movie. Oh boy. <laughs> you want to talk about getting punched in the face. I felt punched in the face after I rewatched this. So my movie for the theme of All the Way Up, Statham Fest, is a movie that was made in 2009. It was written and directed by Mark Neveldean and Brian Taylor. Although I have my suspicions that this movie was secretly written by a 15 year old. <laughs> I mean, really, my movie, my movie is cranked to high voltage. My name is Jeff Chelios. And today, no, I didn't die. Right off the top, I'm going to give a disclaimer. I feel like I need to. So as we sometimes say on this podcast, this movie was made in a different era, people. <laughs> and even in that era, it would have been offensive. Like, I guarantee you that there will be something to offend just about everyone. And I mean just about everyone. Okay? Oh, completely. And 75% of it is Biling's character. Oh, oh, oh God. I, I, you know, I just, yep, that's going to have to be something. Look, it, so if you're still with me right now, if we're going on like pure beats per minute here, like this is one of the most ridiculous movies ever made. Like 100%. Yeah. I, I even read actually somewhere where Statham himself and I, and I'm like paraphrasing this obviously, but I feel like he even said, I truly cannot believe this shit happened like this. I cannot believe this movie happened. <laughs> That's always a good sign when the people involved are like, damn. Yes. So I, uh, Look, if you if you have a modern sensibility, like we say about this, I mean, it is insanely it's insanely violent and gory and racist and offensive to the point where it's almost like Grand Guignol. I mean, it's kind yeah. of like really, really over the top and like intentionally over the top, too. Yeah, exactly. Where it's like that's what they set out to do, because I didn't I don't know anything about Mark Neville Diener and Brian Taylor. Yeah. But yeah, it seems like that's what they kind of set out to do with this movie as well i it's it's definitely i'll talk about this when i talk a little bit about the first movie but like they intentionally powered up do you know what mm -hmm. i'm saying and so like if you just walk into this movie having not known anything you'd be like holy shit yeah. what is this so i just wanted to say i just wanted to say that uh, up top excellent and i so hope a one set I, uh, so, well, go before ahead, you go get ahead. into your one sentence synopsis i hope are, are you going to talk to us about why you picked Crank 2 and not Crank? Yes. Okay, perfect. I'm intrigued. <laughs> well, the, the, the reason why is simply because it is fucking insane. Like, it's <laughs> it's insane. Like, look, the, fir the first Crank... I think it's great. Like, I think it's a, uh, I think it's great, like, in, in that way. Like, I'm like, yo, this move, this stupid premise is actually fun. It's kind of great. But, and like when you watch, okay, so I did the thing where I, because I know what you're thinking right now too. You're like, well, how can I watch Crank 2 High Voltage if I haven't seen the first Crank? Oh, it doesn't like, matter at you, all. <laughs> doesn't matter. I watched it in reverse and it was totally fine. 
And I swear to God, like, let me put it to you in this. I'm going to put it to you in this way. If you watch Crank 2 High Voltage first, the first crank will be like a fucking Italian neorealism film. <laughs> That's how, like, you'll be like, oh, is this a documentary? I don't know. Like, I just watched Crank 2 High Voltage, and then I watched the first one. I'm like, oh, this is a World War II documentary about pilots. Like, what? <laughs> You're like, is this Sesame Street? What the hell's happening? Yeah, it is shockingly more subtle oh my god if you watch it in reverse for the first time i'm just gonna throw that out there too but um a one sentence synopsis just to get this out of the way an ex-hitman has his heart stolen and replaced with an artificial one by the chinese mafia which only keeps him alive for a single hour before he has to find a way to charge it back up again <laughs> okay i'm i'm laid out just that premise alone. His heart has yes. been stolen. I'm done. So, okay. I to, to give you a little bit of background about the first movie, just so to, to orient you in this second movie, okay? Right. The first Crank movie is about this ex-hitman who is played by Statham. His name is Chev Chelios. <laughs> <laughs> and... For the record, I, I cannot get over Chev Chelios. No, I'm a losing name. my mind. I'm losing my <laughs> mind. Like, this is what actually makes me think that this movie was written by a 15-year-old because only teenagers would create this like stupid prank phone call name Absolutely. like Chev Chelios. Absolutely. Yes? Chev Chelios has has ordered 10 pizzas to their best friend yes. and made them pay for it. Like it's like, may I, may I speak to Mr. Smith? This is uh, Dr. Chev Chelios from <laughs> You're Dying. Bye. <laughs> you got small dick disease. Ha ha. Bye. Like, it is so busy. <laughs> You've got a boner disease. Absolutely sounds like that. Like, this is Chef Chelios. You got boner problems. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's actually short for Chevy Chelios, <laughs> which is even worse. <laughs> I fucking cannot with that name. You you texted me in all caps. Like, welcome back, Chef Chelios. <laughs> and like, the in the second film... They really double down on people saying it. Yeah. Like, they're just like, Chef Chelios, you motherfucker. And I'm like, that's because they know. They know that name is stupid. They double down on it. <laughs> so, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get through this movie. I swear to God. I swear to God. So, in the first crank, right, Chev, <laughs> Chev, I'm going to say it and not laugh one day. Okay, so Chev in the first movie, he is poisoned, okay, by this, like, LA underground baddie type, right? And so basically it gets poisoned with a like a syringe. And it, as it turns out, it's this poison where he's only able to stay alive, okay, if he keeps the adrenaline in his body up to a certain point, right? So it's like, <laughs> I'm, 
imagine like the movie Speed, and then instead of the bus, it's Jason Statham. So Jason <laughs> Statham is the bus, right? And like, I can't imagine. I'm the I'm not I'm not the first person to have made that comparison. I'm sure, but I'm just saying Ooh. that's it helps me to remember what's going on if I think of it like that. Exactly. So. So Chev has to basically go around doing shit that makes him like fired up enough to live. So he's like doing cocaine and he's out running the cops and he's having sex in public with his girlfriend who is played by Amy Smart. And he's randomly punching people in the face to start fights. Like that's his way of doing it. And like the whole movie, the first movie, highly stylized and video game. It's it's like a video game. And in fact, like in both the movies, the, the intros to both movies are like an eight bit kind mm-hmm. of video game thing. And, you know, Statham has a lot of classic tough guy lines. And and like I said, I actually enjoy it a lot. I think it's pretty great. Yeah. Okay. Now, everybody thought, everybody thought that he died at the end of the first crank because he fell out of a fucking helicopter. Okay. <laughs> onto the ground. He fell on t- from a helicopter onto the ground. Okay. <sighs> and at the beginning of crank two... <laughs> he's so it's sort of the beginning like the the end of the last film where the, it's like he's on the street after falling from a helicopter and he's scooped up by some gangsters and then he's taken to some like kind of illegal back alley illegal operating room where his chest is cut open under local anesthesia <laughs> okay, <laughs> he's aware of the whole thing yes 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 he's having open heart surgery with local anesthesia and so his heart, his, his his heart is taken out, and then it's replaced by this fake heart, this artificial heart. Okay, now, like I said, right off the bat, I think the 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 through line is they double down on literally everything yes. from the first movie. It's louder, it's faster, it's cruder. There's way more dick jokes. Yep, by far than the first one. Instead of Chev having to do like some fucking jumping jacks or some shit to stay alive, I mean. He's got to go around shocking himself to keep the battery on his artificial heart running. Well, because he he broke the battery. They did give him one, but he broke it within two seconds. Yes. Of, of course. It. You know, because who charges a fucking battery for an artificial heart? It's like, oh, you're just putting it back on the thing. It's not even really charging. So he breaks Ooh. it and it's it's useless. So, of course, now he's screwed. So he's like, oh, fuck, what do I do? You know, I got to go round Oh, uh, put put my finger in a cigarette car lighter. I'm sorry, that's a really bad British. <laughs> that was not British, even British. A, uh, I don't know what that is. Let's figure that. We'll figure that out for another time. What that was? Oh my gosh! But it, and here's and here's my question too. So like they cut his heart out because they want to give it to like their underground crime boss. If you yeah. know that this guy's heart runs on adrenaline, why would you want it? Because you can never sleep again. like that to me is not a valuable item because he's his whole life is going to change he'll never sleep again he has to keep his energy up and keep his adrenaline going i know this is the thing is that you forget that he well first of all he is supposed to be dead like i guess he did not die but that he also has the the adrenaline heart from the first movie so you're like oh so you're taking out that adrenaline heart that's fucked up and then you're putting it in somebody who can't even run as fast as this guy let alone you know do cocaine and all this stuff i don't know it's it was it's crazy how and i actually don't know if 
the two aren't necessarily super tightly linked like right. that, but in our mind, in for, our this, minds, for this purpose. Yeah, because you just like, saw him, they picked up where we left off. So I'm like, wait, he still has adrenaline heart. Exactly. And you're going to put exactly. it in David Carradine, who, by the way, I, his whole Oof. career is problematic. Yeah. His whole career is problematic. <laughs> look. And it does not. Like I said. Includes this. Includes this. Look. I, I, as I said earlier, I mean, you're, you're just going to have to understand the caveat here is that if this movie is fucking insane, like it's insane. There's so much racism. It's not even like a lot of Asian racism. And trust me, like, you know, that I'm, I'm extremely sensitive to these things. Mm -hmm. He, his character is named Poon Dong. I mean, fifth, that's what 15. I'm saying. 15 year old boys. 15 year old. Yeah. However, when you take into account, that's. A, that's like just a little slice of what this movie has to offer, <laughs> yes, right? It's tame in comparison to what the rest of this movie has to offer. Right. So, okay. But now, I was just curious about my... that. Curious about the adrenaline heart being stolen. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. It's a good question to ask. I asked you about the, you know, <laughs> the business filings of, of Statham's character in your movie. So we got to get that paperwork Ooh, out of the way. Um, <laughs> now... Part of, I think, what is fun, actually, about the crank lore is that apparently Statham did all of his own fighting and his own stunts in the first one. Nice. Including the helicopter shit. <gasps> now, I, I'm, he did not fall, obviously, from a helicopter, but he was doing the little shit. Like, the before, fight in like the, the helicopter. Fight. Yeah. Exactly. Which is pretty cool to me. I'm like, yo, oh, this guy definitely. has got chops, as we say. And um, here's here's why ultimately Crank Two is something I want I, I brought to the table before the first Crank because here we go we got Statham putting jumper cables on his own nipples I knew it and tongue and tongue and I when I first saw this like when oh, I first God. saw this crank to high voltage when i saw the material the marketing materials i was like my god who is doing this for us who in the fuck is doing this for us you think mark ruffalo's out here being like let me clamp this <laughs> jumper cable to my bare nip ah! no no ah! oscar isaac would never he would never. I'm sorry, folks. Like, let's get serious. Satham is putting jumper cables on his nipples. But Pedro Pascal would. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> you have 24 hours to respond, Pedro Pascal. Would you jumper cable your, your nipples for the for the common good? Yes. And that's, that's, again, this is exactly the essence of All the Way Up to Me. It's like, here's this actor that's like, he's not going to ask a guy uh, to come in and do a stunt nip. He's like, I'm doing it. I'm fucking doing it. And unless I'm wrong, unless they did a quick switcheroo, I mean, his face is in the shot when he's doing it. Yeah. I'm like, yo, he actually did it. Oh, and if you, and if you watch God. the movie through the end of the credits, they show him doing all of these stunts. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And I'm just like, this is why I fucking love Statham. This is why we stand. He's just putting on the show he's doing the show for us and i stunt fucking appreciate nip. that shit <laughs> i'm never getting over stunt <laughs> nip <laughs> you know it, you work Ooh. in hollywood don't you know about these things um oh my goodness okay so here's another here's another thing i want to say about this film 
So in in both the movies, there's this disgraced doctor character who is, he's kind of the one that is like the Sherpa. He's like Chev's Sherpa through his like body misfortunes. And he tells him kind of how to stay alive throughout the entire movies, right? He's like, well, then he's on the phone. He's like, how do I stay alive, doc? He's like, well, then you got to do this. So this character is played by the great country and Western star Dwight Yoakam. And if you only know him from like his songs, like if you only know him from like guitars and Cadillacs, I'm telling you right now, you will be disturbed beyond all fucking belief. Thank you. I was. I was bringing this up because it is jarring in a way that I did not want to be jarred. Oh, my God. I I don't want to, like, tell you specifically, like, what's going on that really hit it for me. But it's just the whole vibe. The whole vibe. Oh. And even in the first movie, the in the first movie, I mean, it's like he's just like this gross, weird dude. You know, like I said, disgraced doctor. And it's Dwight Yoakam. And I'm like, oh, my God. I, like, own your albums. What are you doing? I, I know he's an actor. But it just, it was jarring. Truly. I just have to say that. Just every word that comes out of his mouth. And I'm like, Dwight, No. <laughs> yes <laughs> don't do this to yourself wow yeah it's 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 so sicko mode the whole movie is sicko mode can i just say that <laughs> um <laughs> all right let's let's talk about this i want to talk about some of the ways that chev chelios gets juiced Thank in this you. film okay at one point is hot wiring a car and then realizes he can hot wire himself so then he's like you know fucking taking the wires and sticking them in his little ports and he's like, yeah, sizzling, sizzling, Chev. Um, the aforementioned ca- jumper cable on the nips. I think we've already talked about that. He also at some point, like, tries to get the police to taser him. <laughs> <laughs> and then steals the taser and is like s- zapping himself until it just dies. He's like tasering himself t- until the unit actually dies. Okay. Oh my God. Now, in one of my favorite scenes of this movie, I know okay, what you're for, say. For, not for the reason that you think, for the later reason. So, these two fucking complete assholes who have this shock collar on their dog in the park, okay? And they're just like fucking idiots. They're just shocking their dog. And I hate it. I hated every second of it. But then Chev sees this happening. And he walks up and he takes from them and he claims to be PETA. And he's like, you know, you guys are fucking assholes. He yells at them for using it on this poor dog. But of course he wants it for himself. Duh. And then here's where we're getting the real Statham acting chops with this shock collar scene. He's like yelling at these two ding-dongs to zap him. And he's getting shocked and he's like twitching. And it's like this whole, like, it's very like... I got to tell you, I'm not saying it's Oscar worthy, but (laughs) it's, I was like, yo, this is like some Buster Keaton fucking Harold Lloyd shit. Like Statham has got him. He's got those chops right now. He, it's like very Monty Python. He starts barking at one, at several points. And that's when I realized he was funny. Yes. He's a funny dude. Yes, exactly, exactly. And if you see him in Spy, it'll be the same thing. Like, he's a funny dude. Yes, exactly. That's that's what I that scene really did it for me in that way. So he's shocking himself with a dog collar. He again has public sex with his girlfriend, 
Because he's oh like, God. oh, I realize that having sex creates friction, and that's a, that's a shock. Okay, we get it. It's it's just a way to show sex in a movie. Come on, let's get serious. He puts he actually does put his finger in a car cigarette lighter at one point, and then. As at towards the end of the movie, he, all of these things that he's been doing is like, well, it's not working, baby. I guess I'm just going to have to start going to Transformers and just holding on to them like that Billy Idol video from the 80s. <laughs> and maybe, oh, God. And then maybe the peace de resistance of this movie. Okay. <laughs> He does this to the point where he catches himself on fire and then he punches a guy while on fire. Oh my God. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. It's like he's out here hugging Transformers to the point of lighting himself up and burning himself to bits. But then finds a way to punch a guy while he's like actively on fire and i'm just like (laughs) this guy i mean it's just like can what can you say that is the most all the way up fucking scene ever and it truly is i mean listen oh my god uh, this movie is the definition of a lot if you know what i'm saying and Statham is like, he's all the way up in a way that I did not think was possible. Like, completely. I'll tell you this if kicking a severed head into a pool is one of the most chill things that he does in this movie, (laughs) (laughs) then you're, then you know you're in for something crazy, right? (laughs) Like, I'm like, oh, he just kicked a severed head into a pool. That's, oh, God, I feel relaxed. This feels like yoga. (laughs) I can't breathe. (laughs) Listen, I'm going to say, I'm going to say this. I I normally with like our films, I would be like, hey, great film, guys. Everybody go out and watch this. I'm not going to do that with Crank 2. For for this for this podcast, this, this is no. for a very specific audience. It's not for all y'all. No, it is not for all y'all. Not for all y'all. It it only if you're in sicko mode. Only, <sighs> only if. Otherwise, skip. Like I, that's fine. We can just make it extra credit. This is not not a Completely. sign. Completely. But it's it's that kind of movie. Like it's oh, just God. it's got like. So much going on. It's like an all-out assault on so many fronts. I mean, it's like meant to literally offend somebody at, at, at every second. And, you know, and at some point it just becomes, I mean, this is what I actually felt this time while watching it, is that I was just like, at some point it's just sort of like, you're, you're, it is in that grand guignol thing where you're just like, wow, this is just like a pageant of shit and i'm i'm just watching it i'm just watching all of it happen and i can't even parse out individual like little microaggressions about it i'm just like this is it it's just being presented as a full-on play of crazy shit right it is truly a thought experiment we haven't even (laughs) talked about efren ramirez his character oh i know I know. Look, I mean, that's that's the thing is that like he he was in the first one too. Yeah, his character in the in this film is he plays sort of the brother of the of the character because his character dies in the first one, and he kind of had like a glow up in between the movies where he looked kind of like he was like 
kind of tough looking. And I was like, damn. And of course, this is the, I mean, if y'all don't know him by name, he was in Napoleon Dynamite. He was, that's yeah. like, you know, what he was most famous Pedro. for. Yeah, he was mm-hmm. Pedro in uh, Napoleon Dynamite. But yeah, he kind of had like a tough glow up in this one, which I thought was kind of crazy. I was like, wow, he's looking pretty buff. I just I just think above all else, the introduction of the character Venus as the twin brother of Kalo to the song, to a song about dicks is one of the best entrances in the film I've ever, <laughs> best introductions. Him dancing in a club with his brother, talk about dicks, song about dicks. <laughs> The the songs in both the films, I mean, this is, again, I think, like, obviously, this movie was made for, like, a specific age group, right? Because there's a mm-hmm. lot of 80s um, nostalgia in it. And in time, you know, 2009, like, I forgot, when did the first crank? It's 2006, maybe? Yeah. But, um, yeah, this was, like, prime nostalgia era for, our, for Gen X. And so, you know, it doesn't surprise me that this movie is as loaded down with that kind of stuff the video game stuff the you know i don't know sort of like hyper violence but also um you know the the songs like all of the Mm -hmm. you know uh 80s songs and i just am like yeah it's it's definitely made for a specific audience but then the thing that i think the reason why i did pick it though is because it literally is sort of that thing where you're like what if we took this already crazy premise and then just really went to like 200 with it yes and i'm sort of like wow in a weird way i'm like I don't know if I'm going I'm going out too far on a limb here, but I'm gonna say it kind of made me think in the back of my mind, damn, they should let literally anybody make movies. After they <laughs> after they released this movie, I was like, ah, oh wait, they're still let, they're still not letting women make movies after they made Crank 2 fucking high voltage. Like, did you see that movie? That I'm this is okay. The next time I go to a writer's guild meeting, this is the point I'm gonna raise. It's like, how <laughs> dare you not let anyone make a movie? If this exists, that's all you need. That's the calling card. Yeah, let it be like, it's like the crank to high voltage precedent. Like it's the it's the standard by which we've opened the floodgates to let every creative person make art because they got to make crank to high voltage. Do you know what I'm saying? It's the, it's the Statham principle. <laughs> it is the Statham principle all the way up. Crank it. Do it. Oh my goodness! It is don't do not watch this movie with with your moms. Don't watch it with Mrs. DeCirico. Oh no, absolutely not. This no, no. I I thought about this too because I was like, okay, so we know we talk about this because my mom is like famously loves Keanu Reeves, like, and she's kind of like in that weird where she's like, oh, I really like him. Like, I want to see every movie he's ever done. Um, and I'm like, wow, mom, you have a crush on him. You know, oh, you're like 70 years old, but that's fine. But she's really into action. You know, she watches a lot of action movies because of this. So I kind of want to be like nudging her in the Statham direction because I'm like, yeah, I mean, he's kind of hunky too. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. I thought never this movie. Like this would, I will be in, I will be in Alaska if she watches this movie. I don't want to be anywhere near her. You will disown yourself if she gets into Statham and watches Crank 2. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, I mean, it's it's really hard to talk about a movie that, like, again, for modern audiences, we, 
is going to be problematic. No doubt about it. And right. there's there was a lot of moments of this movie when I watched it again. And even the first time where I was like, yikes, you know, like yikes yeah. in a really big way. But like I said, it, it, it I think for the purposes of this episode, for the statemness of it, he's just it's just crazy. It's just like he's doing the craziest stuff because this premise is taken so far, you know, exactly. to the nth degree. And um it's it's so it's such a fascinating movie for that point i think it's just sort of like wow what what happened if you just got to literally take something and just fucking crank it up you know not to do anything with it yeah (laughs) yeah i i and i i'm grateful thank you for for talking through you know kind of how to how we consume movies that do have problematic things in them but Again, we have to think, and I know we've said this before with other episodes and other films, but like we have to consider the time that they're made. We have to consider who they're made for, the space that they're made in. This is not to make excuses for any of this at all, but just to say that there are movies that will not be for everyone, and this may be one of them, and it's fine. Yeah, and I mean, it's kind of like, too, when we talk to my natural born killers, where you're like, here's this incredibly stylized violence and i don't know maybe that sort of creates a buffer in a weird way yeah because it's so absurd that it's unbelievable yeah and you kind of can't believe what they're saying not to make the excuse but just saying uh, sort of buffering that uh, the content of it a little bit exactly no i'm glad i'm glad that you talked talked it through because I wanted to talk about it too. I'm like, ooh, let's talk about this one. Yeah. <clears throat> my movie as well. Like I said at the top of my movie, I didn't know any of that stuff about Luke Besson. Yeah. Well, but, you know, listen, there, this is going to come up again and again. Like, we're, and like I said, like I've said this before, but I just feel like, I don't know. I feel like I, it bears repeating sometimes when we do these episodes. Like, I feel like with enough context and enough conversation around problematic films, I mean, I feel like, you know, you can talk about them, you can discuss them. And I I personally don't want to hide from this kind of stuff. I don't want to hide from, you know, I love, I love watching movies and I love trying to understand them, you know? And part of that is, is sometimes having to watch stuff that I don't understand and just sort of like, and try to, and try to like figure out a way in, you know? Um, and that's what the themes are for. And that's sort of like what, why we talk about it together. So, you know, we can kind of discuss it together. I get your thoughts. You can get my thoughts. And I don't know, it's just a a good way of processing this kind of stuff, but that's beautiful. Movies is a language. It's beautiful. Uh, But in terms of the theme for this week, what was it like seeing these two movies together? Like crazy, right? I mean, truly felt like I had to take a knee. (laughs) <laughs> in between both i'm like i can't just go right into the other one i gotta take a knee i gotta take a break i did a lap around the house yeah went outside got some fresh air and then came back and i'm like okay now i can now i got it now i got you it's wild when you look at the the retrospective career of jason statham i don't think they'd ever be able to do like remember when um you went and saw like five cronenberg movies yes <laughs> in LA I don't think you can do that with Jason Statham because people will have heart attacks like people will (laughs) perish watching five Statham movies back to back 
Yeah, no, I, I, I think I agree with you there. I, I think he's so interesting and fun. I, I love the sort of like new action yeah. star. I love that part of him. And he, like you said, I, as of this recording, he seems like a pretty cool dude. And we definitely love his taste in furniture and home interiors. Um, and hey, if you ever want to be on this podcast, Mr. Satham, we will allow it. I'll tell you that right now. I, def- I definitely want to talk to you about some teak furniture, maybe. But <laughs> also your career. We can talk about your career, too. Yeah. Furniture, career, whatever. Well, listen, thanks, everybody, for hanging in there with us. We hope you enjoyed it. Do you want to give them the movies for next week? Oh, I can't wait. So next week, your homework is to watch Far and Away from 1992. And She's Having a Baby from 1988. Ooh, what is that theme? Try to guess. (laughs) Must know. I must know. Well, listen, if you want to email us about anything, we're at I Saw What You Did Pod at Gmail. And if you want to find us on our social media, we are at I Saw Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Yes, and we have got merch in the Exactly Right shop at exactlyrightmedia.com. As always, such a blast laughing with you. Such a pleasure talking about guys punching people in the face. It was so fun. Super kicks, horizontal (laughs) kicks. I feel like I'm going to do some yoga or some meditative breathing now just to reset. Got to reset. This was a blast. It was a blast. Thank you so much, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye. This has been an Exactly Right production. Produced and mixed by Casey O'Brien. Our theme song is by Tom Bryfogel. Artwork by Garrett Ross. Our executive producers are Georgia Hartstark, Karen Kilgareth, and Danielle Kramer. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at IsawPod, and you can email us at IsawWhatYouDidPod at Gmail. Listen, follow, and leave us a review on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget, you can listen to new episodes one week early on Amazon Music, or early and ad-free, plus bonus episodes by subscribing to Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. Follow I Saw What You Did on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate and review the show. And visit exactlyrightstore.com to purchase I Saw What You Did merch.